In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure. Cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie, to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, or your treadmill. Climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, cure. Register at lls.org slash big climb. of the 10th inning. And you know where we're going. Pack your bags, folks. All aboard. Next stop, pound time. And here's the 1-0 pitch to Matt. Swung on, launched to left field deep. Bam going back, looking up. He will watch it fly. And a miraculous comeback by the A's in the ninth is capped by Matt Chapman's three-run home run. And the A's have won the game. You're now listening to The Seam Hits with Adam Copeland, Ted Ramey, and Rob Bermudez, only on the Athletic Podcast Network. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's the Seam Heads Podcast. Adam Copeland, Ted Ramey, Rob, the Bermudez triangle is off for the weekend as we record this on Sunday, May 31st. Ted, what's going on, man? Nothing much, man. Just uh, watching the continued unusual turns in American history that are going on in 2020. Um, you know, obviously, Copes, we've been texting about this all a lot, but you know, I was saying right off the bat, we have to mention what's going on. I feel it'd be derelict of our duty to not reference what's happening in the United States of America right now. Well, it's interesting you say that. And we're talking, obviously, about the protests going on across the country after the death of George Floyd, the murder of George Floyd last week that went viral on television and, and across social media. I think it is important to talk about it on the podcast, A, because it's interesting in that like we've gone through this time with COVID-19 and with coronavirus. And we've talked about sports as a distraction, how much people want sports back and how much sports can be something that's a positive in a time like this where everyone's trying to band together and people were comparing it to 9 11 and stuff. And yet now we're we're still in that same wave of COVID-19. We've got these back and forth. I wouldn't even call them negotiations. I'd call it like tension between Major League Baseball and the Players Association. And yet now we've got this tension in America having to do with racial injustice yet again. And it seems to me like even the thought of sports coming back this weekend has felt like small potatoes in the grand scheme of it all, because it doesn't feel like it would be as much of a distraction. It feels like it's just not as important today. No. And I was actually thinking about something along those lines copes because it's it's good that sports aren't happening yeah. right now because we should not be distracted from this we should all be paying attention we should all be looking at what's happening and figuring out why it's happening I mean again me the whitest guy you know in the room every time I'm next to you clearly <laughs> and most rooms that I'm in I can only look at it from an outsider's perspective and it's not like I walk around ever wondering, you know, when a cop is going to take a wrong look at me or how people are judging me around me. I walk around the definition of white privilege. And that means that usually when things like this happen, you can change the channel from CNN to a game. You can go and just switch your point of view. There's nothing to turn to right now. And I like that America has to be forced to deal with this, that we have to look at these issues, what's causing them, how we go forward from here. It's the right time for this to be happening. Now, obviously, the reason that these riots and protests have been happening for such a lengthy amount of time 
is due to the fact that 41 million Americans don't have a job to return to right, right. now. So they don't have to get up the next day for work. So it's allowing a lot of this to continue. And it's interesting to watch. I remember when we were recording in February and in early March, when suddenly so much changed from one week to the next, one episode to the next. When we recorded on Wednesday of last week, this was starting to get a little bit of notoriety, but it was just really beginning to turn. Think how much America is different today, Sunday, than it was when we recorded on Wednesday. That's staggering to me. And it's a far more different landscape, even than when it was when we recorded on one day. And then the next day when we were recording back in March, suddenly the NBA was the first one to shut down while we were in the process of recording. I think everything you said there is, is accurate and well stated. And you're right. The emphasis on this and on everyone's minds, I think, is enhanced because there are 41 million Americans out of work right now, which is part of the tension, part of the frustration, part of the focus that everybody has on this. But I think also with sports not being played, as we were saying, like, yeah, it's, it's putting this at the forefront of everyone's mind. I think an interesting element of this that I think we've seen over the last week or so with athletes surrounding this tension specifically we've seen like Steven Jackson we found out had a relationship Steven Jackson of course of the NBA uh, had a relationship with George Floyd I saw Malcolm Brogdon was out there protesting yesterday I saw Jalen Brown of the Boston Celtics drove 15 hours to be back in his home city of Atlanta so that he could walk and protest and I think seeing that these athletes don't have places to be right now they don't have games to be played or or playoffs to be focused on it's it's more than just LeBron wearing an I can't breathe shirt it's that these guys are African-American men first. These are men who are affected by this, that they're saying, hey, I'm a human being. This is a an issue that if I'm not playing basketball and I'm not doing my job somewhere that I have to be, this is somewhere that I have to be because I owe it to my community to, to try to help make this change. So in seeing all of that and in seeing, I don't know that we've seen Adam Silver make a statement yet out of the NBA. He's definitely made these statements in the past. I know Steve Kerr has been vocal, obviously. A lot of NFL players have spoken up either with videos or on Twitter. I saw Evander Kane of the San Jose Sharks was mm -hmm. on Get Up on ESPN last Friday talking about it. And we've seen a lot of Major League Baseball players of different colors and creeds across the game, even though African-American percentage of African-American players is diminishing in Major League Baseball. Guys like Marcus Stroman, Giancarlo Stanton, Andrewton Simmons, Alex Bregman, Andrew McCutcheon. All of these guys have spoken up, but from the top, we've even seen a little bit of criticism towards Roger Goodell, though he put out a statement. But from the top, Major League Baseball that for a long time was an inherently racist business and has still dealt with racism in the last 50, 75, 100 years has yet to make public a statement. And in a time where everybody's focused on baseball for, you know, arguing over dollars and cents, I think this is an opportunity for baseball to say, hey, it's not just about us and our, our pocketbooks. We want to be out there for the community as well, much like some of the owners and commissioners across other sports have. Ted. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing that we've talked about before. And a couple of years ago, it was Chris Rock on HBO who made the observation that I think so many of us had seen but really hadn't put it into words was just how overwhelmingly white baseball had yeah. become. And I know there is a large amount of Latin Americans involved with the game, but the percentage of, of black kids playing baseball in the 50s, 60s, 70s compared to what it is now and even at the major league levels, it's obviously declined. But when you look at the forefront of this discussion from sports, obviously the NFL and the NBA are right at the forefront of it and to a lesser extent, NHL and then Major League Soccer. But Major League Baseball, is it's at a weird place. Even hockey is a very much a white-dominated sport in terms of the complexion of its players. But it seems like the Evander Kane news in and of itself I guess probably because there are so few black players in hockey made more news than any of the commentary that's come out of baseball. Let's pause to tell you about Manscaped. 
Manscaped is here to make sure you're well-groomed above and below the belt. Manscaped promotes clean hygiene when it comes to shaving thanks to their Lawn Mower 3.0. Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0. This third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to prevent manscaping accidents. Shaving is about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin-safe technology. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code THEATHLETIC. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, a $39 value, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped boxer briefs. Go to manscaped.com today and use promo code THEATHLETIC. It's funny you mention that because I thought that exact same thing and I thought, you know, it's easy when you see, you know, one African-American in one sport step up and, and be asked to speak and Evander Kane was asked to do just that and almost represent the entire African-American community for the face of the NHL. And it's, sometimes I look at that and I go, that's kind of, it seems like it's a token. It seems like it's almost a dog and pony show, but also his voice needs to be heard. And the voices of African-Americans in a minority sport of minorities where you don't have a lot of African-Americans and people of color. I think it's important that we know what's coming out of there. It's something that is always bothered me about baseball that, I mean, we had Marge Schott, an inherently racist owner of the Cincinnati yeah. Reds for how long knowing that this woman was racist with comments that were made public and she remained owner of a professional sports franchise whereas in the NBA you look at Adam Silver and we see Don Sterling make comments behind closed doors that then ultimately got his franchise ripped away from him now I know that there's other problems with you know the New York Knicks and James Dolan and other other stories and controversies there but when it comes to baseball we've had issues like with Josh Hader for example the racist tweets Mm -hmm. from a couple of years ago and then it comes out that guys like Trey Turner and Sean Newcomb have also had racist tweets. Michael Kopech of the Chicago White Sox. And for some reason, there is a group of young men playing professional baseball between the ages of what now 20 and 28 years old now who at some point in their past have posted extremely racist comments on their Twitter and baseball has done nothing about it. So it's it's par for the course for me that they haven't said anything. But it's also like, why have we gotten to this point in the sport that makes such a big deal about Jackie Robinson Day once a year and puts number 42 yeah. on the back of every player and says, we want to appreciate and love that our sport is representative of America. And while it actually is because of the racial divide that is almost not talked about, they're putting on a face that's not actually what the game is about. And it's a time like this really frustrates me, I think, with the game of baseball. Yeah. And this is something that I've kind of talked about before. It's like the baseball. And I feel that they do this in every single aspect of how they are run. It's like, well, look at our past. Jackie Robinson. It's like, no, like that's great, guys. But what about the here and now? What about the fact that, like Chris Rock said, going out to the ballpark and what all these classic ballparks of the last generation that were architected to look like a time where it was a white dominated society. Yeah. I mean, that's that's essentially what they're hearkening back to. And but they're always like, but Jackie Robinson is like, well, great. But that was a long, <laughs> long, long time ago. Yeah. It wasn't like every owner got together and was like, yeah, let's integrate the game. It was like one guy who said, yeah. I think this is a good idea. And it's a positive for the future of this sport. So Branch Rickey went out and did it. You can't like wave the flag and say, no, look, 1947, by the way, 
was not that long ago, 1947, when no. they integrated the game of baseball. So, you know, I laugh because it's it's not very funny, you know? Yeah, you laugh because it's not funny, but it's not like they were taking a risk on a marginal Dude, exactly. player. They knew this was a generational talent. <laughs> yeah, I mean, guys were trying to win, too. Like, that was part of it. Was This was still a business yeah. 100 years ago, and so guys were trying to get the edge wherever they could. And maybe that brings us to our more baseball-centric discussion about kind of the news that's happening in town. I'm glad we got to spend some time talking about that because, uh, as you said, it would be sort of foolish and, and tone deaf and colorblind, for lack of a better term, really, to not to, to not discuss what's going on in the world relative to sports. But in what's going on with baseball and the story that was surrounding baseball sort of leading up to these major events uh, socially this week was the release of minor league baseball players. And I know we discussed it briefly mm-hmm. this week, uh, but as we record this again on Sunday, May 31st, the Oakland A's are still the only team to say, we're going to pay our baseball players, but we're not going to pay our minor league baseball players. And we're cutting a whole bunch of them loose. We're talking about where the game goes from this and how the game grows socially and and to not support that racial divide. I'm concerned about how the game grows beyond this season with five rounds in the minor league draft coming up or in the first year player draft. We're talking about the release of potentially a thousand minor leaguers and maybe no baseball season at all this year. What happens with the development in the future of the game and why would any kid want to grow up playing baseball if, if there's nowhere to go once you get to the top? And specifically to the A's, why would players want to sign with the A's when they know this has now been a precedent that's set and they say, well, the signing bonus, is that enough? To the point of the lack of a minor league baseball season, this now goes to the next level of job loss because there are a lot of seasonal employees at all these minor league ballparks for all these minor league teams across America who are looking at themselves and saying, okay, now this is these are dollars and cents I will no longer earn. So it's the players, and now it's the local businesses that are going to be impacted by this. And to me, in light of everything that's happening with Major League Baseball in the context of America, it's continually tone-deaf to be looking at this as the financial loss when we all think there is a financial wherewithal for Major League Baseball to make it all happen. Because to me, and I think what a lot of other Americans are seeing with Major League Baseball, and by the way they're conducting themselves with the players in terms of the union negotiation, it's the profit and the revenue is private, but the risk is shared. And I can't get over that. And I think that it's rearing its head with regards to the way these negotiations are going. Now, a lot of Americans also don't look at it this way. They're saying you should be happy to be able to play and only make a million dollars this year. But I personally do not look at it that way. And I think baseball is putting themselves in a remarkably negative light with the fact that these negotiations aren't just over and done with. And I don't mean the players. I just mean the owners because they had an agreement and they're deciding that that's not enough. And as we keep on hearkening back to It's not like when the revenues are excessive that they decide to share it with the players. It's this year specific. They want them to share the risk, but they do not want to share when they're making more money than ever. And we see the billions and things like that of the last couple of years. It's just, it's shining a negative light on baseball copes. It doesn't bode well, even if they do save this season, it's still going to leave it the sour taste. Most of our listeners are in and around the Bay Area. What better way to promote your business than through our show? Our listeners are loyal and engaged, just like you. What better way to advertise your business than on your favorite podcast? To advertise on this very show, go to www.theathletic.com slash podcast ads. There you can fill out a very simple form. We'll get back to you right away. So go to www.theathletic.com slash podcast ads. 
www.theathletic.com slash podcast ads today. An article that we were talking about uh, before we got going today, which is uh, an article in The Athletic from Friday, which is from Jason Stark, Memo to Baseball, Don't Drive Off This Cliff. And he talks about having basically, we've seen this, of course, back in 1994. And he talks about things that we've said a thousand times, Ted, that if they strike again this year, it could ruin the future of the game. But um, to me, it, it seems like they've chipped away at the bedrock of the game because of that minor league system thing where you could be lopping off mm-hmm. a thousand minor league baseball players that play into the development of these franchises. You don't know what happens with the talent pool. And I understand you're trying to get rid of 40 something minor league teams because you don't necessarily need every organization to have seven or eight teams. You could probably do it with fewer, but I worry specifically about this year where if we end up with a season that's completely lost and it's something that Buster only on ESPN as, as recently as this morning was saying that the owners could in turn just decide, Hey, we can't afford to have the players come back and play that hundred game prorated salary season. Like the players are talking about countering, even though we have not seen the counter offer from the players. He's saying there's a pool of owners, teams like the Miami Marlins, or maybe even the Oakland A's that say it's more beneficial for us to just not play this season, to not pay the players, to not pay our, our staff and our employees to get rid of all these area scouts that we're already deciding we're not going to pay. And while you may look at this and say, ah, you're only saving $10 million on the season in, in cost cutting measures here, they look at that and they say, well, let's just reallocate that next season. We've got a smaller minor league system now, and maybe you do spend that money in your bonus pool or whatever it is you do in the draft. But I think there are huge concerns about the popularity of the game. If you take a year plus off Mm -hmm. and everybody else comes back and football is back and and hockey is back and uh, horse racing is back, just about every sport comes back except baseball. I don't know who wants to come back and watch the game in a year and a half. You certainly lose out on tons more television revenue beyond this season. Stark made a great point when he said that after the 1994 strike, baseball forever lost the place it held in American culture. And I had never thought about it in that specific context because you always look at along that same arc, the NFL was growing and growing into the monster that it is today. But maybe I didn't think of it in that context because when it happened, I was 12 years old. But he's right. Baseball never regained that footing. And then when they did at least regain a foothold in American society and wonder, it was in 1998 with Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. And then after that, it was Barry Bonds. And then while baseball found themselves once again popular as soon as public perception on those athletes turned. They didn't try to defend them. They kind of took their distance, and we've all seen how history has played out with regards to a lack of the Hall of Fame, including Sosa, McGuire, and Bonds, which I think they should, but that's a different argument for a different time. But baseball is, they hurt themselves with the strike. They hurt themselves with the steroid era, of which the owners knew about and decided to watch the money come rolling back in, and this would yet just be another moment where we're seeing baseball make the wrong move. I mean, baseball is developing a scary habit of being on the wrong side of history with these key moments that define what's happening in the history of the sport. We look at 1994, we look at the steroid era where the commissioner and Team owners all turned the other way, including the guy who would end up as the president of the United States, George W. Bush. It's like they're doing it again. It's like, guys, you've already taken massive steps back. A couple years ago, a poll was done, a Gallup poll, and baseball was about to be surpassed by soccer as the third most watched sport in America. Now, granted, there's like 16,000 soccer leagues that people in America are watching, but go back and tell that to somebody in 1993 
when the Giants are 103 and 59 and missed the playoffs and they've just signed Barry Bonds, who had an MVP year in his first year with San Francisco, that in 30 years, roughly, baseball will be falling to the fourth most viewed sport in America. It's unfathomable. Yeah, right? it's, it seems like that's an impossibility. It's a sport that, as Stark points out, was still able to generate billions and billions of dollars. But I think the point of that statement was the American culture thing, right? And he makes a good point. He goes on to talk about how a lot of that, and you were talking about it with the steroid era, was because of Bud Selig, right? Bud Selig has all this happen on his watch, and he doesn't think that the strike is his fault because the league and the players union couldn't get things worked out or couldn't get things done. And, and get back on the field. And so it goes on his ledger and his resume that the 1994 World Series was canceled on his watch. Well, then steroids brings the game back, as you said, in 1998 and then in 2001. And then people want to point the finger at Bud Selig again and say, well, the game was saved and the game was brought back. It was brought back dirty on your watch. And Bud Selig again wagged his finger. And when Barry Bonds hits number 715 or 755, whatever it was down in uh, in San Diego, Selig is there at Petco Park with his hands in his pockets, like not celebrating. The guy that helps save the game of baseball on your watch. Yeah. And so here we are again, to your point, it's the exact same debate. And now Rob Manfred has a chance to change history and not do it the same way. As Jason Stark points out, if this thing doesn't go down the way we'd like it to go down and there is no season or a World Series is canceled, while it will be on his watch, he may not view this as his fault either. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of home. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com Oakland for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com Oakland for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Think about missing a year in the prime of Mike Trout's career. Think about that happening in a non-injury capacity to Pat Mahomes or Tom Brady. It would never happen. Think about it happening to Kevin Durant. Think about it happening to Steph Curry. I mean, I understand there have been work stoppages in the NBA, and we've seen it in the NHL, but this, to me, is worse and part of that worsening divide that we look at with baseball because we don't know if Tony Gwynn would have hit 400. We don't know whether Matt Williams would have, at that point, he was not using any PEDs if he would have beat Maris. We don't know what the Expos would have done in the 94 season. It's all these unknowns. And then think about what happens if baseball comes back and Mike Trout suffers an injury after a year away. And that is going to change. Baseball is shooting itself in the foot. Even though I don't love the three true outcome, the storylines and the players in baseball right now are incredible. Even the Astros, the Astros in terms of what they represent now, that's tiddlywinks compared to what is actively happening with baseball. Yeah, you're, right? you're right, dude. The uh, the storylines are through the roof, and, and you're absolutely right. Thinking back to 94 about like what would have been, and if we think about that in this season's terms, what could have been or what might have been this season, I think we talk about all the same stuff. One more from 94 is the, uh, I think the White Sox were on a tear that year. I think Frank Thomas was yeah. was a, a triple crown candidate. He would have been the first he was. triple crown guy in, uh, in years. So uh, incredible stuff, man. Our friend James Kincaid would get mad at me for not having reference 
reference strengths, potential accomplishments <laughs> while talking about what we missed out of 94. So he'll praise you and I'll get an angry. Well, his, he's also going to be upset that we didn't mention that Frank Thomas uh, did not take steroids and was the only guy who voluntarily uh, went to be tested when they uh, when they started doing the reports <laughs> and, uh, and investigating guys. So shout out Jimbo Kincaid. That's a good point. Shout out the 94 uh, Chicago White Sox and uh, and Frank Thomas's <laughs> would have been triple crown. So uh, good discussion today, Ted. If you are enjoying the podcast, please rate, review and subscribe wherever it is that you're listening to us. We're glad you're joining us through the pandemic and, and hope we're getting your your baseball Jones and your baseball fix on. Great talk today, Ted. We'll talk to you guys on Thursday.